0: So speaking of not going back, perfect segue. All
1: right, Never say never again. Yeah, I
0: think we're going to fight about this one. I <sighs> think we're going to agree. You tweeted over the weekend that this not is the first one it. in the whole thing that you did not enjoy watching. Did not enjoy it.
1: What did, did not you enjoy? <sighs> this just – now, for, We we should qualify this first because after I commented on Twitter, I think I said something like I – this was the first Bond movie. Now, we've for, for those who are not have not been following along, shame on you, but we've been doing all the Bond movies in, in order, and we're up to the second 1983 Bond movie, Never right. Say Never Again. And this film, as, as, as John has explained before and, and can do better than I can because you, you know more about the ins and outs of this uh, history, this was not an EON production.
0: As are all of the other Bond movies.
1: All of them. Every one of them, except right. this one. Right. And, uh, long story short, there are two movies that come out in 1983. The, the first of which is, uh, is the one that we talked about last week, Octopussy, Roger Moore. And then, uh, this never seen ever again comes out a few months later, I guess, with Sean Connery as Bond. he's, referred to as bond he is bond but a lot of people will say that this movie is not canon it's not done by eon so it doesn't count or it doesn't matter and yet as you pointed out last week ian fleming's name is attached to it right. so it wouldn't wouldn't that make it perhaps even more official than an eon print? who knows people will debate this but
0: that was you that can, it's it's sort of like uh, I, it's sort of like the debate in the between gin martinis and vodka martinis right where there's sort of a split in the martini world and traditionally a martini is made with gin and vermouth and more popular today and at least for like maybe the last 20 or 30 years is a vodka uh, a vodka martini where instead of using gin you use vodka right and there's sort of a split in the martini world where most people tend to have a preference between one or the other. And I think clearly more people have a preference today for vodka martinis over gin martinis. Definitely. But I do think it's true. But the vodka, there's like a religious split there and and the gin people will often say that's not a martini. A martini is made with gin, period. That's it. You can't call it a martini. And I always get this whenever I link to Jim Kudal's um, perfect martini recipe, which is a vodka martini recipe. Right. I, I'll get at least three, four emails from someone saying, I don't, you know, that drink may taste good, but that's no martini. The gin martini people always say that, that that's not a martini. Right. Whereas a vo- in my experience, and I personally prefer a vodka martini, although I do enjoy a gin martini. But to me, the vodka martini people are like, they're not religious about it. And they don't, they don't put down gin martini, those people who, who prefer gin martinis. It's sort of like a live and let live thing. Like, okay, so it's not a martini. It's a vodka martini. Okay, but I love it. Right? There's there's like right, that. Right. So I feel like exactly. it's like that with the exactly. movie where there's some people who want to insist that the Eon productions are the only ones. And so this doesn't count. Whereas, all right, well, then it doesn't count. But it's a movie about it. I, I, you know, it still is a movie about James Bond written by Ian Fleming starring Sean Connery. Yeah. You know, that means something, right? So this this thing comes out now. I, I think it's clearly worth putting into the, the.
1: Oh, we have to talk about. I mean, we even talked about Casino Royale, which was uh, horrible. Right. I mean that that now that now here's the thing. People reminded me after I tweeted that they said, well, "Wait a minute, what about Casino Royale? You said that was unwatchable." This was not an unwatchable movie. This was a this was a good movie. I they think. didn't
0: even try. The Casino Royale was is so a, far out there. A, I, I a would thing. say that's worth not. Not, yeah, no. don't watch that if you haven't seen it.
1: But this, to me, at the very least, you would have to agree whether you believe it's canon, whether you believe it's official, whether you believe it's real. It's a James Bond movie, right? And it, it, it if anything, it's uh, it's important in looking at the history of the James Bond films. It's a, it's an important movie in that sense, if, even because it isn't an UN e. e. production. Right. It's, it's worth looking at. Uh, now you like this, my. You responded. And, I like it
0: overall, but I, I, there are some parts of it that are truly bad. And I you mean, said just, you watched it twice with your son over the weekend. I watched it twice over the weekend. Jonas so, really liked it. So here's Jonas the, is a very strong preference for Sean Connery over Roger Moore. Well, he's smart. Really strong preference, and uh, to me, it's interesting because when I was a young boy, I preferred. Rod- we, we've had this conversation numerous times in this series. Yeah. About because the more ones when we were kids in like the late 70s and early 80s seemed new, and the Connery ones all seemed old. old. It just seemed like at the age of like eight, nine, ten, old is bad, new is good. Whereas <laughs> that's right. from Jonas's perspective—they're all old, they're all ancient because we <laughs> haven't gotten to the ones that are even vaguely modern
1: yet. Yeah, and when no, would I'm that start? Would that be Dalton? Do you think would be ma- no, vaguely I, modern, or would I, 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 I think Pierce
0: Brosnan. Brosnan, yeah, I think the Brosnan ones, but mm-hmm. I might be I overestimating. I might be greatly overestimating how modern the late 90s feel to a seven-year-old boy because that's, like, the equivalent for us of, like, the late 60s. And to me, the late 60s always seemed old. Oh, yeah. Been, even by, like, 1977, and yeah. the, the late 60s. It was, like, it was like ancient history. When you're a kid, you have this intense uh, perception of what, what happened before you were born or right. before you were aware
1: and and, and it's almost like anything that happened before you were aware is pretty much irrelevant it's like bc <laughs> <think>.
0: yeah exactly <laughs> so i might be overestimating that but i'm still curious to see what he'll think of the higher production values of of like the pierce brosnan ones but anyway okay he so, liked he liked this movie so th- the, this movie he now he even says he likes the music no, I is, did not. I, I, I hate the music. Now the here's music the thing: is so bad. So Although bad. some of it is okay, the music ranges from atrociously bad to, <laughs> eh. yeah, at best. Some of the scoring is acceptable.
1: Like I, I think you, you're, I think you said that you, there was a favorite line in the movie. I couldn't identify it, but I already, no. I know that your favorite scene is the scene where, uh, where, uh, gosh, I say I already Largo. Where Largo's spying on his own girlfriend. No, that's your favorite scene.
0: No, my favorite scene and my favorite line are early on, and it's when Bond is talking to M about his failed. Uh, oh, eliminating white bread then. Right. Yeah. It's the you know what your problem is too many free radicals. Free right. radicals. And he goes, free radicals. They're toxins that destroy the body and the mind. They come from eating too much red meat, too much white bread, and too many dry martin. <laughs>
1: well, then and- I shall avoid. Eating white I bread. Cut out the white bread. <laughs>
0: I love that line, and it's, it's delivered perfectly. And to me, it it nails everything about Connery as the best Bond. To me, it is the it is it's the highlight of the movie, and it's to me it's it says everything about why Connery is the best Bond there ever was. Some of the other actors, maybe Pierce Brosnan could have could have done the second best job at that line. Mm-hmm. Another good line, and somebody—I—I I, I forget who—and if you're listening, uh, forgive me because I—I I, I didn't take a note of it. But somebody on Twitter, I think maybe it was email though, might have been email, uh, pointed out over the weekend about "Never Say Never Again" about another joke in it, and and contrasting Connery to Moore is he's in Shrublands the the spa early on, and there's a, a cute young nurse there, and she says, uh, "I'd like to take a urine sample. Can you?" Can you fill this with urine? And he says, <laughs> right. "From here, from here. <laughs> right?" And it works, right? Whereas I think that if Moore had had done that line, it would seem creepy or something. Right? Well, I think Moore often came across as having a disdain for other people, and he would have said it like, "Like you dummy, like you dummy, you know, you're so dumb, you're such a dumb little nurse." Mm-hmm. Like from here, uh, you know. <laughs> Whereas Connery says it and it's like she's in on the joke, you know, and it's it comes across as flirtatious. And look, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to have a little fun here. It's perfectly delivered line that I think in the hands of Roger Moore would have come across as sort of disdainful.
1: Now, is this because uh, because Connery is a better bond or is it because he's a better actor?
0: Well, I don't know that he's even better. Maybe that's maybe the point though isn't that he's better? It's that I prefer his bond. I like him. His bond seems like a guy who I would love to hang out with and have a couple of drinks. Whereas Roger Moore's bond doesn't seem like a guy who I'd really want to hang out with. I like his movies, and I'll, you know, but he just doesn't seem like a guy who I'd be a friend. I could be friends with. Right? I I just like Connery's take on the character. Yeah. And I feel like it comes across in a lot of this movie. The whole opening, though, really sets a bad tone.
1: Yeah, the, op- the Here's the thing: in the past, we've talked about this. Our uh, you you said this going into it. It had been many many years since I had seen any of the older Bond films, and you said to me, I think you said it on one of the earlier shows, and I think you've said it a couple times. Is you love the first you know half or the first hour of the bond movies and you don't like the second half as much. And that's because right. the, you know, and, and we've talked about it so much. I totally agree with you. I I think that's totally true in this case. I, I could, to me, I couldn't even, it was difficult to get it all into the movie until the, the double O's are reactivated and uh, money penny comes out and she's like, Oh, you know, James, you're back. Come on, let's go. And he's, like, futzing around with a computer, so like, wasting his time looking at stuff. She's like, come on, you're back. Th- that's when the movie begins for me, really. Everything before that it was just difficult to watch. It's just, you know, ah, just... So the,
0: one of the big problems that they ran into with uh, doing a non-Eon production of a James Bond movie is the fact that the Eon productions have... Everybody knows how a James Bond movie opens, Right? It opens with that music, which they don't have the rights to, so they can't use the, the that theme song which every movie is used, and they don't have the rights to that gun barrel tracking bond in a tuxedo, and he turns and the blood runs down right right and that's something that hasn't changed from nineteen sixty one until now, even the new ones, which are a complete reboot and have a sort of different tone, still open with that because that's the brand right that's the that gun barrel with. Bond in a tuxedo shooting and a red blood coming down. That's their Apple logo. Right. Right. That's yeah. the Nike swoosh of the Bond series. So they don't have that. So what do you do? Well, whatever your options are, what they did to open this is the wrong way to do it. Right. That horrible screen with like a thousand double sevens
1: with this tra- sort of transparent looking at the, this right. look
0: bad. Right. But the worst though, is the music. The opening music Terrible. from the beginning is just atrociously bad. And, on the DVD now, almost probably none of our listeners listen to it because it, it's high def on Netflix and it looks better. Actually, I've seen the DVD before, and the DVD is a really bad transfer. This high def transfer that that Netflix has is really—it looks—it's. I think it's definitely a different print than they than the old Never Say Never Again DVD. Uh, looks good. But it doesn't have the extras. And the extras on Never Say Never Again are amazing. They're okay, the best Okay, so, so
1: somebody – I think it was a Roostro or somebody like that in the chat room like 15 minutes ago said for me to ask you if you think you would have enjoyed this movie as much if you did not –
0: Know the backstory no
1: the backstory, and maybe have not. not watched the the all the d v d stuff
0: I think maybe not. I think it's the fact that I know it as it makes me forgiving of certain of these aspects and the way that the, that the, that this production was beset by lawyers because the eon people were suing them and that they you know long story short, and I th- I'm sure I didn't even look, but I'm sure that the Wikipedia people have ripped off all of the information from the DVD extras. And so you can probably read it on Wikipedia and get the story. But basically they set out with the idea of making a movie about acknowledging, fully acknowledging the fact that Bond is, you know, like a 50 year old man past his physical prime. Uh, and what, what happens, you know, if, against all the odds and all these crazy adventures he's had in his career he survives and he's still in the mission and still in the service and it's the 80s the cold wars winding down uh his all of his supervisors you know the m that he grew up under and is gone and replaced by a guy who's younger than bond and has a totally different set of priorities and a disdain for the old way of doing things all of this stuff to me is fascinating, and it's a way of saying let's do something different, right? That's what they wanted to do, and mm. you can see parts of that, right? The whole opening where Bond sort of fails in his mission, and you know is reprimanded by by his supervisor. Um, what did you What did you think of the new M, though? Well, and see, this I think, is this this touches on something. I think he something. was well cast given the idea that that Bond is in a different. It, yeah, I think he was perfect. Mm, I think he was I, thought I it he was, was terrible. I but I hated him, but I think that that's, that's that's the milieu that they wanted to set this bond in. No, definitely.
1: He's, definitely they 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 did want to create that sort of tension, but I just didn't think he was that good of an actor. I mean, I like,
0: I, I liked him. No, I liked him. didn't like I, him. I thought he was good because he I thought I had I I, I thought he was contemptible. <laughs> like, he's obviously a guy who doesn't get it. He, he was contemptible
1: and didn't get it,
0: but I also didn't
1: like him as an actor.
0: Yeah. Um, but they got beset upon by lawyers. You get the weird
1: Q, in. the guy, he's all of a sudden he's like the Cockney Q. Oh, and, see, I liked it. I uh, thought he, uh, I
0: liked the Q. I did. I, and Jonas liked him a lot too because they didn't try to cast a guy to play L- Llewellyn, whatever his name is, you know, the guy who is beloved yeah. as EQ. They you know they didn't try to do that guy it's like here's a totally different take on q i don't even think they call him q because i'm not no, quite they sure no they call him uh, something else right. adrian or right. i liked him i thought he was good i, I you know I, and i
1: appreciate that and you're making a good point you're saying they're trying to do things different right. i'm not i'm what i'm saying is i respect that that they were trying to do things different I don't like their choices and I think there were other things they could have done that would have been different that that would have also been different and more effective and better. And I, 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 but you, you do make a good point. Algernon, I think they called
0: it. Yeah. Algernon. All right, I did like Felix. Beset, I got did beset beset like Felix. Upon lawyers who said that you've got to stick to this. What they had the reason, the whole reason they could make this movie is that it was Thunderball in particular. And everybody, you know, we talked about this last week before you we even watched it. That this is a remake of Thunderball. Shrublands, stolen nuclear missiles from Spectre. Spectre's back, and you got to go to the Bahamas. And the the last of the missiles is underwater. It's all this stuff is all from Thunderball because yeah. Thunderball is what. This alternative production company had the rights to. And what the lawyers were saying as they got into it, and this is as they're shooting the movie, is you've got to stick to what's in Thunderball as written in 1961 or 62 or something like that. Right. So it's like it was like a, an impossible circle to square because they've started with Bond as a 50 some year old man at the Mm -hmm. end of his career in a new world in the, in the eighties with the service changed underneath him. He's obviously at the end of his career, you know, he's, he's all these things. And then they're told, you've got to make this movie that was written in the sixties extemporaneously and stick to everything that's in it. And so that's it. And that's all these things that just don't really add up in the movie in a way they sort of dropped the whole older bond angle, uh, all come out of that and i think it's unfortunate but the thing with the opening with the music the thing with the music is i I guess one of the producers did that and uh it wasn't supposed to be shot like that it was supposed to have like real sound you know it wasn't supposed to be silent with this corny music over it it was supposed to be um like a cold opening
1: Hmm.
0: and I'm convinced. I, I, I thought about even calling up Sandwich but I don't want to put anything on him but I just thought it would be cool if someone took the video, ripped the video for the opening adventure of Never Say Never Again. Don't change anything visually. Don't don't cut it but just take the soundtrack off and play the John Barry Bond theme. Mm-hmm. I think that, that I, all of a sudden it's a much better scene with nothing other than just changing yeah. the music.
1: Be yeah, I, I
0: agree. I was listening. I went to, uh, on Friday, I drove to pick up my son from school and... Uh, there's the the movie channel on XM Radio. Forget what they call it, but it, all they play is like movie soundtracks, and um, the Dancing with Wolves uh, mm. soundtrack was on, which was by John Barry, right? And all I could think when listening to it, I don't, I, I don't think I've ever seen Dancing with Wolves. Uh, if I have, I don't, I don't recall it. Um, well, it's dan- Dances with Wolves. Oh, whatever the hell it is. Okay. That's why, it, I mean, it seems like a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's a good movie. Well, see, its time. I of those movies where I hold it against it because it beat Goodfellas for the Oscar <laughs> and there's no, everybody knows there's no way it could possibly the Correct. Be, Correct. Goodfellas. So I hold it against it. It's the same way that I spent like 20 years without seeing Annie Hall because as a five-year-old boy, I knew, all I knew about Annie Hall is it was the movie that beat Star Wars for the Oscar. <laughs> and it took me like 30 years to break down the line. <laughs> Even and Annie Hall really is a great movie. Uh, That's one of my favorites. Um, but all I could think listening to John Barry's score for Dances with Wolves, which is fantastic, is that it would have been a fantastic score for uh, Never Say Never Again. It did not sound like it, – it sounded John Barry-ish in a way that like um, – There's a John Williams-ishness to every good John Williams score, right? But like the Indiana Jones theme song doesn't sound like Star Wars. It just sounds like it's from the same mind, right? If they could have somehow commissioned John Barry to write a a new theme song for Never Say Never Again Mm. or get somebody else to do something along those lines – it would have been so amazing. Like if you took the dances – I know it just seems like crazy because it's a totally different type of movie. But I'm convinced if you took the Dances with Wolves th- theme music and put it over Never Say Never Again, the movie would be twice as good. Because it would have like a serious feel to it. Hmm. That whole opening though, it just doesn't make any sense. All it's right. just another one of these things where they rip off – they have like took the worst ideas from the Eon productions like this whole – Let's fake people into thinking Bond is dead. Like, how many of these openings have involved Bond pretend dying? Mm-hmm. Um, at least three. Because what sense? I mean, obviously, you you know, you're supposed to think he's on a real mission, and only at the very end, when the when the the kidnapped woman, he unties her and she stabs. Right. him. She
1: stabs him. Then it cuts to what we just saw. That we right. now have to watch the again. And and see right. M's reaction to it, and, and the
0: security footage just happens to match. The right, it's it's e- the
1: exact same footage that we just watched. The close up on the guy's face, everything. Now
0: think about this. Where where did this take place? It certainly doesn't look like it took place anywhere in England because no. we see a long helicopter s- spot. It looks shot. like you
1: know it looks like in Cuba or Nicaragua right. or something.
0: Right, and Ecuador. we're supposed to believe that on these training missions that that they actually cast like locals, l- like lit- Latin American men with beards to play the bad guys, like right. they, you know. Like if you, if you've ever mission.
1: seen any training missions or things like that that the, like the military actually does, uh, it's the, you know they'll put they'll put like a blue shirt on the villain, but that's right. it. That's like a regular, you know, it's it's a it's right. a GI, cast, but he's wearing they're a blue not shirt. Cast people with
0: cigars and black <laughs>
1: beards, right? Right, and they're also not gonna, you know, I I did I don't know I had a problem with that. I just I wasn't. In, I don't know. It,
0: it, it, I think that the sucker punch is always, it always leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, it does. It always does. It's not a good way to open them. But no. It. But I'm telling you, if they would have had the theme music, it would have been better. I could,
1: I, I, I will concede that, it, that there's probably a million things that could have made that scene in the opening better. Right. That a, a four-year-old could have come up with. Anyway, I don't even know if I can, I don't even know if I can go through this whole
0: movie chronologically. a lot of it looks like a Bond movie? I think they did a pretty good job. And you know, Irvin Kirshner, pretty good director. I, I really know, I think know. and I don't I really know. Which think,
1: which part are you thinking looked like a
0: Bond movie to you? I thought that the 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 bank vault that has a secret door that leads to the Spectre uh meeting room. Thought that looked like a look like a Bond movie. It looked like an eighties Bond movie, but it yeah. looked like a Bond movie. Hmm.
1: Eh, the whole thing with uh, uh, Fatima it, Blush and uh, – okay. So here's – let me let me go back in time. I remember this movie very well, watching this movie as a kid. This is one of those movies they'd put on HBO and they'd show it like eight times a day right. for like the whole summer. And I, I have many memories of this movie from being that kid watching it. And I remember as a kid liking the movie – and I remember I remember it fondly. Like there were parts of the movie that I thought were great. And I had the same exact feelings about Octopussy. Watching them both as an adult, uh, I found Octopussy had some redeeming value to it. And th- this movie had less redeeming. Yeah,
0: see, I feel the opposite way about the two. Yeah. I feel like Octopussy... Does much worse than I remember. And I oh,
1: did you get to sense at all in this movie that I mean I loved. Here is what I. Li- I'll tell you what I liked about this movie. I loved seeing Sean Connery back. I loved the idea that what would Sean Connery as Bond be like today? He is older. What what happens to these double O agents as they get older? This an- this addresses that. This answers those questions. I really like that. And there were aspects to this movie. Uh, you know, for example, when he's um, when he's fighting the the big dude in the kitchen, you know, he's he's not the bond of his youth. He's not this sort of semi invincible super spy. He's like, you know, he's in really good shape, but he's an older dude. You know, but, he's not he can't just walk around, you know, judo chopping people and having yeah. him drop to the ground, you know, so he's got to get inventive about how he escapes from the guy. I like that. I mean, there were st- there were a lot of aspects to the movie that I really did like. Um, I almost felt like in some ways it was sort of the, they were almost trying too hard to be different in some ways. Like I would have loved just a, 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 a little bit more of a straightforward Bond flick with Sean Connery in it. But yeah, no,
0: see, I like I that. Don't know. I, I don't, do you, do you think, do you think he nailed it though? Do you, did you like Connery in the role? Did you feel like he was the same guy he used to be?
1: You know, I, I don't feel like he was the same guy, but I think he did nail it. Can I answer it that way? I feel like he was the same – he's the same Bond, but I feel like he brings something else to the role. There's a new dimension there. There's a new dimension to to Bond that he brought, I mm. Uh You know, he didn't seem uh, – he didn't – I don't know what the right word is. He didn't seem quite as earnest as he used to. Yeah, maybe.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe. If there's a criticism as, to be had is that he was a little – Flippant. Yeah. Like, picked up a little bit of that from Roger Moore. Yeah. There's a little bit of a flippant. Maybe like, for example, when he first meets Fatima Bush. But that was that was really just poorly edited and cut, that whole thing where she's on water skis and all of a sudden she's poop up on the, 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 the little outdoor patio bar. And she goes, oh, I got you wet. And he says, yes, but my martini's still dry. <laughs> There's something about the way, like, yeah. it was a bad line reading on that, I think. I don't think. You know what I mean? Like I feel like he – I don't know. It felt a little bit more like Sean Connery on Saturday Night Live doing James Bond in a skit. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, That's what I mean. That, it's like the sincerity that wasn't quite But there. it wasn't – but I feel like he didn't have that problem throughout the film. It was only sporadic. Yeah. Um, so my favorite, my favorite scene of the movie when I was a kid – uh,
1: video game. It was domination. It was playing domination. 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 And today, that game is ridiculous. But when I was a kid, like that was a girl was a great scene. Look at yeah. this. They're playing for the whole world now. The whole world. Do you realize what this could mean? Yes, I do.
0: I thought the movie was it was mostly it, it. It gets to the point of casting. And some of the characters were really well cast. I thought the guy who plays Largo was great. Who is that? Is that Max von Sydow? Yeah. Uh, he was good. Yeah. I really thought – and he kind of had like a crazy edge but never seemed over the top. Yeah. and Very uh,
1: realistic portrayal of Yeah, an and he didn't
0: villain. do any – there didn't seem to be any, any situation. And I think this is something to really admire is that they didn't get in I, – I, unless I'm missing something, there never seemed to be a point where he should have just taken out a gun and shot James Bond. Like it, you know what I mean? Like, and he didn't put him in a Dr. Evil type death trap where he's going right. to be lowered into sharks and I'm not even going to watch it and I'm going to walk away and somehow right. escape. Right. And uh, there was
1: no, you know, there were, there, there was no time. And in that sense, I think it was a little bit more realistic. He never had some blatant opportunity to finish him off. And right.
0: instead and, and I will. Same for Bond. That yeah. There was never a point where Bond yeah. seemed to have enough evidence that he should just shoot the guy, you know, that it's. It never quite was convinced that you know where the missile was until later in the movie, so I, I like that. Um, Kim Basinger, I think she was a good bond, bond girl. Uh, I will, I
1: will say that uh, now is it Basin Basinger or Basinger, whatever, whatever you want. Uh, I'll, i say I'll, Basinger i I will say this i i've always loved her, I always thought she was great, and I forgot how amazing she looked in this movie and yeah. she was she's a good actress. I thought she played the part really well too
0: yeah uh, uh, much better actress than the last couple of bond girls yeah
1: she's she and i it's like i I almost feel bad that she didn't she wasn't in an EON production right because well, i feel like I, I they should bring her back for that or something because because i think
0: because it's amazing though how i just thought she was great i and i remember I wouldn't a change a thinking, thing about her i remember as a 10 year old thinking she just plain looked great whereas yeah. now in hindsight it's amazing to me how in 1983 it was very stylish for a woman to have a head full of hair that looked like dried straw yeah but put that put that aside because she really did look,
1: she really did look great, and she her didn't look crunchy. It was a little, <laughs> it, was a, it was a little frizz, fr, yeah. fried, a little fried, a little frizzy. But that was
0: very popular in 1983.
1: Now the problem. Now here's something that you may not know is that uh, the lady who played uh, Fatima, 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 how do you say
0: that? That's uh, Fatima Bush. Fatima that was Tia Carrera's mom.
1: That's not Tia Carrera's mom. Sure it is. No, it isn't. She doesn't have. I read her bio. She doesn't have any kids.
0: It looks like she could be Tia Carrera. It, well. it
1: does, and her All name right. is Carrera. But, All right. um, so she, uh, I, you know, a little, a little bit of overacting, especially when she's sort of like walking around the hotel, like dancing around in front. Of, I didn't, I didn't care for that as a lot. She was, I
0: thought she was, a bad actress.
1: Yeah, I, I, I liked her. I liked the look, very 80s that yeah, she had she looked with the 80s. big you collars. And, yeah. The weird she, I don't the, think, she wore weird pants that was like I dream of genie pants that were like all poofy from the waist down but then t- like tight around the ankles. Very I think weird. she had
0: an impossible role to play though, because I feel like she was written as she was supposed she was like like one of the top ten people in Spectre. Yeah. Right. And at the beginning, she won, she played, I think, it, a Golden Globe nomination for that role or something. She seemed like a truly competent terrorist, <laughs> and then by the end of the movie, they're just asking her for apparently no explicit reason to go crazy. You are now a crazy psycho woman.
1: I think she yep. just—it was her un—her she was unbinding. She, just, she was just sort of coming apart at uh, the edges. And Bond, I think that, Bond, because I think that of there Bond, there was some
0: kind of really, really poorly written, vaguely thinged upon that because Bond. Stupter yeah. that she was obsessed with him, right? And it, it complete, just by having Stupter that uh, that she was unhinged. There was her undoing, yeah, yeah. And it was you know. No, I but, very
1: much got that.
0: I don't know. I thought she – I don't know. Question will be cast. Felix Leiter,
1: Leiter. You know, this is this is when before we were talking about how they made changes, and and you didn't think the changes were. Uh, I liked this change. I thought he, you know, we're back to Felix being a badass again. He was, he was pretty cool. He didn't quite do as much as you would have thought he could have done,
0: but he was cool. The guy who played him was great. First time he was cast with a black actor. Yeah. Now they've gone back to that with the new ones.
1: Uh, I loved it. I thought this was ahead of its time. I thought he was a great actor, great casting choice. Uh, I mean, and he invoked a little sense of uh, Lando Calrissian to me.
0: Yeah, I think he was underutilized. I feel like it was a real opportunity to 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 give that guy a bigger role in the yeah. movie, you know? And like I said, like the true test of a good Felix Leiter is whether you get the sense that there sh- there could be a spin-off movie where Felix <laughs> this Felix Leiter is the star <laughs> of the movie, right? And I feel like you could have except that they didn't they didn't explore it enough, right? You want that like yeah, like a Lando type thing where the guy is so cool, where you think, man, this guy is like a, a side character in this movie, but he's so cool that he he, he could, could ha- he star. could be the main guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like they missed an opportunity here, where this guy could have had that.
1: But he was good. I like him. I uh, I think he was he's been the best uh, the best Felix since the what was the first guy's name? Jack Lord. Yeah, Jack Lord. Yeah, he was no. the first one since Lord that that I thought did the the role justice that you could right. believe.
0: Right, and I thought it was nice too that he matched. Bond sort of, you know, we're doing this again. Yeah. And, you know, they're taking it seriously, but I don't like the ones where Felix Leiter is in a panic. <laughs> Which is and all of the other ones Bond since is Jack Walker. Cool. I like it where they're both playing it cool. Well, like my fa- my favorite scene. Like panicking, like, like we're both, Lighter and Bond are on the same page in terms of, look, we might as well have some fun while we're Well, done. and
1: that that's, that's what my favorite scene is. This is after uh, Fatima is, uh, after he blows her up. And uh, Felix is like, he's been there the whole time. He's just kind of hanging out. You know, I'm going to see what Bond does and he's like, all right, come on, you know, let's go. And the next thing you see, there's Bond riding a bike, and, uh, you know, and Felix is, like, training, you know, for boxing or something. They're running around. Right, That was great. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, wow, they got out of there. Look at that, you know. I, I just, I liked it. I also liked that Felix was not, uh, he was he was not cast as a perfect character either. You remember when Bond gets sucked into the little vent in the side of the The ship and uh, Felix can't get in. Right, you see him, you know, pretty pissed off by the by the shore. You know, kind of like cussing. Right, you know, he's a human being.
0: So I like that. Great scene in this movie. Great scene. I think you have to talk about it. Is Bond entering the casino? Because to me, it's everything. You got to have it. I felt it was properly set up. It was plausible. But you've got to have. You got to get him into a tuxedo, and you got to get him into a into a casino. And it looked great. It was a. It was a well done. It looked like a beautiful casino, uh, and I love the whole gimmick where he comes in and the guy wants his identification, and he gets the guy into a closet and puts a thing in his hand and says, "It's a, it's a lateral motion sensor. If you move, it's going kind to of blow you yeah. apart."
1: What was what was it that he put in his hand? A tape recorder or
0: something? It was his cigar box, cigar box, or cigarette sensor. box. It was just like a box full of cigars or yeah. cigarettes or something. Thought that was great. Oh man, I thought that was it was. That's that's what you want to see. That's what you want to see Sean Connery doing. <laughs> I thought that was great. Now, what explain to me? What about the motorcycle? I loved it. I remember as a kid loving it, and I remember, and even now in hindsight, I think it's a good car chase.
1: It was it was it was an okay car chase. I. I feel like the motorcycle itself, if you look at the front of the motorcycle and the headlight and the little – it was such an 80s motorcycle and that that made me laugh because I remember those things. That was like the cool – That was a cool I
0: distinctly remember that the thing I remember the most from this movie, seeing it first run as a 10-year-old in 1983, was where Bond is on a motorcycle and the truck is blocking the street and he just slides it underneath. Uh, and then gets back up and keeps going. And yeah. I remember as a ten year old thing, and that was that was the baddest was a cool stunt. I've ever seen.
1: But compared to a lot of the the car chases and other things that were going on in other movies of this time, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And it, that definitely, you know, what it reminded me of when he's going up and down the steps and all around the steps. You know what that reminded me of? Yeah, reminded me of. Uh, and I don't know if this was intentional or not. But there was
0: a uh, in in I
1: think it's the Bourne Ultimatum. I know
0: you don't like the Bourne movies. No, I do like the Bourne movies. I like them a lot.
1: I know you don't like those. And uh, there was one uh, part where Bourne is doing a similar kind of chase where he's riding it. I think it's like some you know little scooter moped thing because he just like grabs one off you know at the side of the road. Uh, where where there's that, And it almost felt like a nod to to this scene. I did like that, and I realized that it, for the eighties. That was very non traditional. It was a very non traditional chase. You know, the idea of like driving around steps in some old, uh, you know, European, European town. town. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked it. I liked it. It wasn't bad. I'm coming, kind of, you can see I'm kind of coming around to this movie. Maybe I need to watch it again. Maybe it doesn't
0: get. I think you should maybe watch it again. I don't know.
1: I huh. so what was what was with Largo? Okay, first of all, Largo, I love I loved the actor who played Largo. I, I thought he I really was think, awesome. I
0: think he saved single handedly saves the movie. So because good. He seems like a worthy villain. He
1: is he's a worthy villain. He seems like a real guy. He's yeah. not perfect. He's he's crazy. But yeah. there were there were things in there But that, it
0: seemed like he was playing the crazy in a way that's almost plausible in the sense of yeah. the type of crazy you'd have to be to to want to uh explode nuclear missiles against innocent people. Yeah. Like you kind of have to be fanatical.
1: Yeah, you would. And I loved, you know, I loved how he's like, you know, he he shows Bond around. He's like, Enjoy the ship. Have right. fun in there. Don't you know? And it's like that's the kind of craziness because he knows Bond's gonna do something in there. He knows he's gonna mess around with it. And he's like, oh, and that's like he almost enjoys it. Like when he's when he's in his little you know bond sneaks into the control room and doesn't he realizes it and he starts getting pissed off and he you know he's smashing things <laughs> then he then the al- he he smashes the the uh, the record player and the right. record player is all busted and then he hears
0: the alarm he's like oh
1: you know and he's like into it he like he likes the drama i, re- I like that i thought the it was logic well-played. the logic of
0: the movie. i wish i had an office like largos i wish my my little office That's not what good. your thing looks like no i wish it did i, I wish it was assume exactly you and
1: like... then you can like open it up. the thing opens up and you get to like spy on your true. wife walking around the yeah. house or something
0: yeah, unbeknownst to her. Yeah, yeah. like uh, why? Why are you don't spying don't really on your own? Mirror. I don't want the one-way mirror thing. I just want that little like cl- closet like thing full of computers.
1: Why do you spy on your own girlfriend?
0: Like, do you think he's a creep? Sh- he's a yeah, he's that's a... what that's what I liked is you like, know what? and he was he was jealous already of her dancing instructor.
1: Yeah, you know, well, they were a... they were the little too close. Right. They were they didn't have to choose that kind of dancing. They could. Yeah, I don't done... think he
0: should have been threatened that by that guy though. No,
1: he, no, he shouldn't you know have been. But uh, I don't, you know, there were there are some weird. Th- so, what was going on with the auction, the Kim Basinger auction, at the end of the movie? Why? I mean, I, that just seemed really odd to me. The way they were, they were doing the auction.
0: I don't, I don't even remember that. What are you talking about?
1: Kim Basinger is is up on a a, a post. With, oh, with they some, were selling
0: her as a sex slave to those Afghan guys.
1: Yeah, but like, how does like that's how he's getting rid of her? You know, yeah.
0: I, I don't know. It's A sicko. He's a real sicko. Yeah, I mean, that's, a that's like a fate worse than death. He
1: did kind of respect Fatima, though. Kind
0: of yeah. liked her. Like they were equals. Yeah. So maybe you could argue that there's, there's, the, there's the sort of Bondian villain. Why don't you just kill somebody instead of uh, doing that? But you could almost excuse it there because he wasn't really threatened by her. It wasn't like he was letting a world-class assassin live. He was let, you know trying to kill his girlfriend in the most cruel way possible because she betrayed him. So I even forgive that. All
1: right. What else do you want to say not about I'm not so this sure thing?
0: about the horse jumping off the... the nah.
1: And can you do that to a horse? Like today? Like in, in 2011, could you push a horse off the side of a mountain?
0: I don't think so. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it... <laughs> <laughs> can't make it jump off a cliff.
1: No, you know what I'm saying. I mean, like, like the laws that they have around uh, animals. Yeah, I don't know how they did
0: that. I don't know how much of that. Clearly was Clearly,
1: the horse was falling a couple yeah. stories into the water. You can't just do that. Like, would they like, like today? It would be CG anyway. But
0: it was never like this when I was in the navy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. how about, you the, know, X, how about the XT7B jetpacks? That's just
1: weird. Like, you know why? What I feel like
0: that was. I feel like the XT7B jetpacks were. I wouldn't even be surprised if they shot that like afterwards. Like, uh, we need something
1: to. I feel with like that. somebody
0: came in and felt like we didn't have enough gadgets. Yeah. You no, know? and it maybe they were like, you know, that motorcycle chase was cool, but uh, we should have had more like gadgets shooting at It. We should have had more smoke screens and oil slicks and machine guns and and something that you know we didn't have enough gadgetry in, involved. So let's let's give them a jetpack.
1: Okay, I have two more two more points, and then I I, I think I have to be done talking about this thing. Uh, what did you think of Domino killing Largo instead of Bond killing the, the the guy at the end?
0: Well, that's interesting. Now, part of that is that's how that's from the novel. Uh, in the novel, Bond. I, I might get some of the details wrong, but bond to go after this last missile, uh, gets hurt very badly. Like, like by being dragged behind like a motorboat or right. something and like scraped up along, like, uh, coral in the bottom of the ocean. Like he's all ripped up and in bad shape underwater. And he's fighting Largo and he's like fighting to, he's like struggling to even remain conscious because of the beating he's taken just to catch up to him. And he does catch up, but Largo's about to kill him and Domino and and ends up, you know, unbeknownst to them, you know, and she and she was established earlier in the novel as an a expert scuba diver, um, and has a harpoon gun and kills Largo. So that's from the novel. So that might be something that was from the lawyers. Like, look, you guys, you know, we're getting sued out the ass. All we, you know, you got to stick to the book. <laughs> Um, but on the other hand, maybe they went with it even though it was from the book because I kind of got the sense it goes back to the thing where Bond is an old guy past his prime. Like he doesn't stop the missile from leaving that, that like Indiana Jones looking right. Yeah.
1: The little, temple. Yeah.
0: It's like he kind of gets stuck up there and he's slower. It it just seems to me like maybe he, he could have and should have and wanted to stop it before it went through that tunnel that exploded and mm. he could cause he's slow and he's old, you know, and I kind of feel like it plays into that. Like uh, he lets that missile get out of there. And then even when he does catch up to it, he needs, you know, he needs somebody else to help right. him.
1: It, see, for me, and I don't, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I think that almost set up the ending a little bit, which is to say that, you know, he's, he's retiring, he's settling down. Right. He's sort of he's done now. And it didn't it didn't end with, you know, it could have ended with uh, him and Kim out on the boat or something. But it didn't, you know, it goes back and he's in the pool or the hot tub or whatever. He hears a bean sneaking around and, you know, but this is the where he says, you know, I'm you know, I'm, I'm retiring and almost set it up like that. Like, you know, here's, you know, this is it. And and Domino seems pretty happy. She's like, oh, you know, never. And he's like, ne- you know, never. And that that whole thing. So in a way, it like made sense. It's like he really, you know, he didn't come out and say, oh, I'm getting too old for this. You know, the, uh, that yeah, line. I, was, I liked the ending. I, I did too. What about the wink though? Do we need a wink?
0: <laughs> I, did you think I, I was going to let that go? I would have done it without the wink. Yeah. I would definitely would have done it without
1: the wink. I mean, do we need, do, what did that I add?
0: Don't I don't think it hurt it. It didn't ruin it for me. I didn't like it. That's, would, uh, the, that is, that's, that's the last moment we see in real life. And and that's the last we'll ever see Sean Connery as James Bond.
1: All right, this was this thing. goofy little wink. Ding. Yeah. I didn't, but, you know, I don't, I, w- I, I agree it didn't ruin it, but yeah. it's,
0: it, he did it, He did as good a job with it as possible. Whose idea do you think the wink was? I don't know. It was, a, that was the eighties. Everything had to end with a freeze frame. You know, remember all the shows, all <laughs> like every episode of the A team, every episode of, you know, BJ and the bear, it always, he always had to end with a, a, a freeze frame. One little thing that I think gets glossed over and I feel like it's the way that this movie to its detriment follows – it assumes on the audience a familiarity with how James Bond movies go, right? Because they have two nuclear missiles, right? There's two that were stolen. And there are only – the movie only shows the chase for one of them. Right. And the other one, they just explain away in about 10 seconds. Right. Well, He's like, oh, it's, it's
1: underneath the president's feet. And then the next thing, we have uncovered the bomb and defused right. it. Everything like is fine. You,
0: if all you knew is that there was a nuclear bomb somewhere in Washington, D.C., it – you know that they, they just act like, well, that – oh, given that much information, easy. Like – wouldn't you just assume if there were two rogue nukes that maybe like the two of the, two of the places <laughs> where you'd think maybe they'd be would be like Manhattan yeah, and Manhattan, Washington, D.C.? So wouldn't you already be looking in Washington, D.C. about as well as you could look? And, and like, yeah,
1: and there's no explanation of, like, where it was or how it got there. It's uh, just underneath the president's feet. Okay. Yeah. I,
0: it, uh, the movie would have made much more sense and be better written if they would only just stolen one nuclear missile and it was the one that they were after. But I feel like maybe they got stuck with the story about two because of the legal stuff about you have to stick to Thunderball and Thunderball there were two. Right. But they just brush off the one in Washington. It's just, <laughs> well, we found that
1: one. Yeah, we got that one. No problem. Thanks for tipping us off that it was here. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, what a, is it? It our... was
0: such a low-rent production that they had to play the same song at the end that they played at the beginning. <laughs> they really And they had budget problems. They really did. That they really...
1: The movie did well. I, th- I think I read here, looking at the Wikipedia page... Did it did not says, do as well as Octopussy.
0: But honestly, and, and I think, you know, I, I can only imagine it personally that Roger Moore and Sean Connery sort of, you know, I, I would be competitive about that. Yeah. You know? But I, I feel like, though, clearly the marketing was had to be better for the other
1: one. Yeah. And uh, they also, I re- was reading about that where it was saying, I mean, this movie did 160 million, but okay. they were saying that, that this one was also related, released at a different time of year that maybe isn't
0: as amenable to it. Yeah, blockbuster exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, what, what movie do we have next week to watch?
0: The last of the Roger Moore's 1985's a view to a
1: kill. View to a kill. Another movie that I remember very, very fondly.
0: Uh, it had, uh, Grace a, Jones. Yeah,
1: Grace Jones. It had. I a, almost said
0: Grace Slick, but that would have been a very <laughs> good casting different movie. Grace Jones
1: it had a uh, a an escalator to nowhere coming out of a blimp.
0: I here's what I Christopher haven't seen. I haven't seen this one in a long time. I mean, you know, and I, you know that I've been watching a lot of these the last two or three years. It's been at least I think eight two years since I've seen it. Um, it's been so it's I'm been probably twenty years since I've seen it. I. I'm interested to see it in the context of Roger Moore's clearly very old film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and there was already talk going back to For Your Eyes Only in 1981 that there would be a new actor. And that whole thing where they wrote this thing where – uh, he visits the grave of his wife and chases a blowfelt guy that that was all to establish a new actor as the movie and they backed away from it and right. then they did Octopussy with him and then they do another one with him. So they did three more with him after they – everybody agreed that maybe he was getting too old for it. Um, but here we've got 1983 where he's one movie into it and in Octopussy there's no acknowledgment in the plot or the way it's played that he's getting older. Right, like you're, It seems as though the audience is supposed to believe that he's just the same prime of life as he ever was. Then Never Say Never Again comes out with a rival production, the rival actor, and they do acknowledge it. I mean, whether they did it well or not, but it was there. Yeah. It's this idea yeah. that these guys are old and what happens when you're old. And then they go back in View to a Kill and they don't, they don't acknowledge that he's old. And I think it's been a long two years on Roger Moore's face. <laughs> I mean, I think he looks... Significantly older in a View to a Kill than he does even in Octopussy, and I think it. I, I don't know. I think it. I think the. I think the, I. In my recollection of it from two years ago, I think the movie falls apart on the, the way that it. You're supposed to believe that this guy is like 30, 39 years old. Yeah. View to a kill. Yeah. All right. We'll be
1: back next week.